0: and the herd ran in fear, and the dark ones, children of the worm, walked the streets in the day. I turned my head from the sight. The phoenix told me, this is as it shall be, but not as it should. The phoenix left me then. Now I cannot dream. I can only remember the signs, each one in perfect detail. These are the last days. May Gaia have mercy on us. 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to 25 Years of E.T.M. presents Werewolf the Apocalypse review of Dark Alliance of Vancouver. Of course, as your host, I am Bob. And accompanying me today, we have good old Mike. What's up, man? I'm back. Forever known lovingly as sugars, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) And of course, Nick, man, it's great to have you back, sir. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Love hearing that. Uh, We do come to you to the eve of Thanksgiving, so this is the Thanksgiving podcast to where we tell you, we hope everyone has a safe time at home and enjoy the family you can have with you, and I hope you get to eat turkey and get fat with power i might add for you destiny 2 fans that's for you uh other <laughs> than this let's talk dark alliance vancouver we know two things this book was promoted solely to actually successfully answer a question which was would vampires and werewolves ever have a crossover a point where they would you could have a game where they would get along and they feel you could they built the book to do it i agree a hundred percent that they could and that's well i've not only have I done it before it's an aspect that you can get into for, uh, well, I don't know, for for months at least for a single game session because there's so much going on. If you've ever felt that there's stuff that vampires would need help with, like the might of the guru that they'd be better for, but when are you gonna have a chance to to ally that or have that set up? This book gives you a great opportunity for that. Uh, so too can it be said the other way around. Sometimes it takes a, it takes a leech to get it done, my my werewolf brethren. Um, so enough of that enough of that so nick help me out here as i spin away um the introduction here blood of the city spirit of the forest what's this intro all about so this is another legend of the guru we have right off the bat but as bob called it
2: it's an introduction this isn't necessarily the the stories that we're used to of you know tales of epic heroics between guru this is somebody sitting you down and just saying to you hey vancouver's different And let me kind of explain to you why that is. And it all kind of revolves around the Great Cairn, uh, which is the name of the Cairn, the Great Cairn. It's a Cairn of cooperation, which is an ancient Cairn that uh, that is, well, just to lay eyes upon it uh, alone is enough to uh, to kind of, you know, bring you into the spirit of cooperation.
1: Now, this this Cairn has a, a bunch of stats that go with it. They have a stat block highlighted in the book that's easy for folks to see, kind of get referenced to. Uh, for the werewolf fans, um, we know that uh, you understand that Karen's coming ranks 1 through 5, actually 6 for those super special, powerful places. But 5 is, oh my god, right? That, that's radiating Cosmos, Dragon Ball Z-esque energy uh, of just spiritual all everywhere, just Gaia Geshin everywhere. And that's how it is. The gauntlet's going to be really low. And uh, this, this promotes all sorts. But Cairns also come with a makeup, sort of a, a purpose. What's What radiates from this holy site? Why is it that the Gru are here, and of what purpose could you uh, attribute to it? And of course, he already said that, cooperation. Now, unique and told in this setting is the fact that they say off the bat, you have to understand that it is rare for multiple tribes to guard one Cairn. Oh, yeah. Right, because typically this is gonna be well, we heard about it, right? We were talking about that through the Pure Land story uh, a couple books back, where the, the Wendigo and Uktena and Croatan were doing all they could to maintain these cairns, but even amongst themselves that they classify as the pure the pure tribes, there was Croatan Cairn specifically, Uktena and Wendigo. They didn't mix. They didn't they weren't prone to allow nope. anybody else to be on what they needed to. So that being the case, that's uh unique to this alone, because in the Great Cairn that didn't, or the Great Cairn, it doesn't fly that you don't get along. You know, the Great Spirit that they put there has determined uh, that everybody will get along, and they do it through information, because that spirit is, of course, Raven. That is the uh, patron totem that is that sits here. And uh, that's uh, that's the whole point. And so, if you can imagine, if every tribe's represented, and they're all welcome here, have some representation here, how does that work out alone? There's There's another piece of this, because we said it's a crossover. Naturally, they're going to mention the, the 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 kindred they call them. I honestly thought they'd call them the leeches a lot more often, but obviously it's rude. They even have respect for them, and, and saying, "Nope, they're kindred. We understand." But Nick, what do they actually say the reason that they're in this story while they're allowing the kindred even be here at all? Uh, is because there's
2: something worse. Is basically the uh, the the breakdown of that, and that something worse is is of course the worm. Now, our kindred of the worm. Yes, they are of the worm, but that doesn't mean they are the worm. So um, as, as Bob has said before in, in, in podcast past, the worm eats itself. This is no exception. If those kindred are willing to take the field, stand side by side with our guru and march and, and take it to the
1: worm, does that make them bad people? It's a great question. It's a great question. And in here, they talk to you like you're a cub. They kind of outline it and point out that that's the reason why. And they leave you to kind of figure it out. And they highlight also, are we talking eternal peace? No. Are we talking this is never going to need upkeep? Of course not. Of course it's going to need upkeep. We're talking a frayed cable at best holding this block from going down. It's like, what choice do they have, though? Right? The guru are facing a fight that they can't possibly contend with because... The the fear here, and when we may even mention this a couple more times, is we know it's you have lush forests out here that the Guru get to tend to and be out here in Vancouver area in the wild, and this is why it can support a strong Guru populace. However, you can't stop the logging companies. Nope. you could physically until an army comes <laughs> to, to break the veil and start shooting you with silver eventually. That's where that goes to, is that war of attrition. You know Pentex would be all over it. Yep. But the group. The group are powerless, right? They have no idea how to stop that. Well, now you know where the vampires come in. Their influence amongst the mortals is one of the major shields that stops the the mortals from coming in and just decimating the area, which begrudgingly, you gotta appreciate. When the vampires are protecting Gaia and they told you for the small, low price of only having a few of us here (laughs) and respecting some rules, well, what do you do? Do you let them be there? Do you just smoke them? And this book is great because it tells you throughout it. That's kind of what the whole book is set up to do. Your players get to determine what that's going to be and where, you know, what NPCs to support, where they're going to roll through. And they give you enough of that to kind of chew on here. So, um, but mentioning all that, Mike, what are we talking about here? We got the authors here who kind of gave us an introduction, right? Uh, A note from the author specifically.
0: Um well they they call it out right up front they say this book is supposed to be your werewolf book or your vampire book and ideally both and that's like the the ethos of the whole project um and interestingly they only mention one overarching theme and that's war and peace right so all of the, every this whole dance in the book is how all of these disparate interests come together into one beautiful
1: machine for you to tell the story of how they maintain the peace in Vancouver. I think that's pretty sweet. I like a note from the authors, because how many times have we gone over books and review them and what the hell did they intend? Like, right? We take this to the purpose of the book is, well, I don't get that. We want what the authors do when the authors are like, Hey, before you dive into this, Hey, we're in the real world. This is what we wrote. This is what we wanted to do. This is what we're trying to do. And you know, here's our little, here's a little excerpt. And before we get started in Vancouver, note that it's unique. Note what you're going to encounter. This is for kindred fans and guru fans, and we do mean fans, and we try to tell a gothic punk story to make it entertaining, and kind of using the island, wilderness, and, and ocean civilization to get that thrown together that Vancouver represents as possible. And they also tell you, remember, it's a time of apocalypse, right? So it's supposed to get a little crazy. And because of that, welcome to Vancouver. And, you know, jump right in. I like that, because what it does is it permits you to grant forgiveness automatically. What are we talking about? If I crack these pages and see a Nexus crawler in it. (laughs) Uh, About that. (laughs) Things come in threes. I'm almost willing to go, "Ah, okay, all right. All right, sure. You know, they happen before. You get used to it after a while. It's like flu, right? We're just used to hearing about it at this point. So someone's going to get it. There you go. Um, But it goes a little further than it, too, right? The themes and the mood is based on the story they're going for, and they want war and peace and when to war, when not to war. And you're going to see that seesaw. But I think you'd be remiss to look at this book and go, this is about maintaining that. You shouldn't sift it one side to the other. And I guess you could say that if you have a mixed group at the table. Like, if you want to keep your werewolf players playing with vampire players and somehow see that getting along, you could. That's kind of the point of a mixed chronicle. However, you can also attack this book by going polar opposites. Where are the guru that are coming in to end this? This travesty, this flaunting of of the litany or whatever you wanted to come at the angle of and to see justice done and you'd be heroes for it right there are plenty of tribes would be like oh we get it but maybe you didn't understand and maybe we'll know too early and how it's still an interesting story i thought you would get that to come about so too for the vampires after all siegfried's opposing some serious competition uh being where he's at to to say he's holding it down right well i just i find that to be
0: one of the best parts of the book right because you got Powerful elements on both sides, but you really do get the sensation that they need each other, and I I, that that's unfamiliar to me. Um, How do I say that? Like between factions, every book's got factions and people who care about whatever the thing they care about is. But I get there's they do a really good job of presenting that the vampires make the job easier, and Siegfried trying to maintain a city outside of all sect politics. It's probably good to have werewolves be.
1: I agree. One of the funner aspects of this book too, uh, that we're, we're going to get into, is that it's a different city. Well, I don't know about you guys. When we go through these city books often. It's easy to say, ignore the fact that you're dealing with different places, right? Different places, different cultures, and so I like to focus on culture pieces when I when I read a city book because if you don't land the culture, the players aren't going to feel it somewhere different either, right? To that end, though, uh, Nick, what is your take on the RCMP? versus normal law enforcement. Well, the great thing about the uh,
2: Royal Canadian Mounted Police is that they are not mounted uh, anymore at least. Uh <laughs> they no longer ride gallantly on their moose into battle uh to fight the <laughs> the evils of uh, of Canada. Uh but these are these are different because in America we're used to localized police that uh are of the community they they serve the the Royal Canadian Mounted Police are government-based. Uh, they're, they're encompassing all of, all of Canada, and they work as a, as a governmental agency, um, a lot like you'd see uh, things in, in many European countries. Their official motto, uh, we always get our man, is, uh, is kind of the thing that, that I like the most about them because it kind of rings true. They, they said something like uh, there's like 35 murders in the last year in, in Vancouver and they got the vast majority of them almost all of them were were solved murders that's not a statistic you'll see anywhere in america
1: take it from bob in chicago a lot of those just go unsolved just uh you know don't shoot a 14 year old in the butt while he's pumping gas right the the
2: thing you got to the thing you got to remember most is that this is not america this is canada right canada is way different you can't just walk around with a uh, if gunshots go off in Canada, the world stops, right? Uh, if, you, uh, if you hear the ring of, of automated gunfire ring into the night, uh, people aren't going to duck and cover. People are going to be like, oh, my God, what's happening? We all need to get together and stop whatever this is. Um, if, if people so much as, as kind of catch you with a, with a gun that you're not licensed with, it's, it's the end of, 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 of time for you. Um, trying to get through the border with anything like that is good luck.
1: They <laughs> talk about that uh, getting a 22 caliber Gopher rifle. They might strip your car down to the frame at the border yeah. just to make sure that's all you had, regardless yeah. of smuggling or not. You shouldn't have had it. And uh, that's ooh, that's pretty intense, right? They also add to the fact that okay, great, you know you're dealing with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Well, they're not quite the uh, FBI, but let's the, the analogy they use is that. It, consider it to be the u.s state police versus the fbi that's a local cop versus the rcmp the rcmp will come down on you and yep. uh zero zero to give about your rights or whatever if they feel you're you're impacting theirs and that's kind of refreshing kind of very bad for for crime and uh, anybody of the vampiric nature that thinks sort of come here and business as usual not to say that crime doesn't happen pretty smart crime movies are out now to talk about the drug issue that they did have in canada uh between yeah. the well because because of the strict nature these organizations got together and formed a syndicate composed of i believe b- bikers triads the mafia and uh there's another one in there i forget who they were uh but they they team up to form kind of a board that decided how they are going to operate it's the only way they could do it otherwise hmm. they couldn't contend with the police and uh, netflix had a huge show on it too trust me just look it up super positive if you're gonna find it I'm not promoting it, just saying that that's a bit of updated research to get here, because during the time when this book was made, no one had any clue about it, right? Because now in the future, we can look back in here and know that that's what was going on there, even when they had it. And that's, uh, that's probably why a lot of the drug crime or whatever was what it was, quiet initially, and then kind of explodes up near the border.
2: That's one of the things that blew me away about this book setting was, all the, uh, was the Asian influence, right. right? Like the enormous Chinatown. All the uh, all the Hong Kong refugees that had fled and settled in in Vancouver, like that was a that was something that I'd never even heard of. But reading through this, I was like, oh my god, that there's so many so many awesome things that can can you know spin off from that.
1: Now another thing about uh, Vancouver is the poverty isn't the same. This uh, this kind of blew me away to read and kind of look into a little bit. Uh, they espouse, in this, at least in this book, that there's no slum areas or ghettos. Like, you're not going to find a populace of the homeless, apparently, sitting in the street. Instead, you find run-down houses that are decaying beside new buildings. You know, or rotting porches and dislocated, uh, stucco stand next to bay windows and vinyl siding.
3: Like, they just made the old next to the new and call it a day, and this sort of, sort of works for them, right? Now,
1: I don't know, I don't know 100% how, how much into that it is, but they do espouse a pretty clean city, uh, taking care of, uh... What I've read was taking care of the homeless is their key to it. There are a lot of, uh, a lot of efforts to make sure these, these people have help, have a home, that sort of thing, which I think is cool. Uh, however, this is gothic punk Vancouver. Yeah, it is. And that's what we got to hammer home. So when you get this book, Knowing What You Know of Canada, and this is specifically for you crazy Canucks, you Canadians, <laughs> don't nice guy it. <laughs> right. The whole the whole scope of this book is about it being gothic punk. It's, it's it's Werewolf the Apocalypse, not Werewolf the Making Up and Having Picnic Baskets. Right? And the same thing for <laughs> Vampire. So that means the werewolf storyteller... Werewolf the I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> werewolf the I'm sorry. What this means is that when you have your gothic punk view like you would take from Vampire and implying it here or Werewolf, Vancouver's gonna be a place where the sky's always overcast. Tang of pollution. Replaced, uh, building signs with, uh, with, with corporate symbols, huge video boards carrying the latest advertisements, stuff like that, that it's almost dystopian in, in a lot of ways. The point here is to highlight to the guru that in the city, you lost. However, you still have this vast wilderness you are fighting for, and it's possible to keep to the rage of Wendigo, by the way.
3: Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting things that go for that. Um, but moving right along, there's hope in these places, too.
1: One of the more interesting things that I like about this book is that uh, this is the entrance. Uh, well, I'd say introduction to Roger Daly. Uh, Nick, who is Roger Daly?
2: Uh, Roger Daly is uh, your friend and ours of the of the Glasswalker tribe who. Uh, well, he's kind of the architect mastermind on the grew side of of the entire situation here in Vancouver. He likes to sit inside the city of vancouver and work on the worm through non-conventional means i guess the best way to put that he attacks them from the boardroom not necessarily from the woods
1: and part of that is a uh, daly's uh, rank right he's a uh, he's an elder he's he's rank five Glasswalker. he's honestly kind of a super venture <laughs> in multiple ways <laughs> i hate doing this to werewolf but I can't ignore the similarities. That they're lethally similar, right? Um, it's like if you could have a Krinos, I'd I'd want to be Roger Daly, and uh. But here, let's make this distinction. They do a great job in the book making them separate people. Siegfried is not Roger Daly, right? No. That's an important thing to hammer home. And because of that, Roger Daly runs the Werewolf pretty efficiently. The side of things as the Glasswalkers are wont to do. Everyone's supposed to get along. He's got a nice, smooth place called the Smiling Buddha, Karen, and uh, Mike. What is The Smiling Buddha?
0: Uh, the Smiling Buddha used to be a, a nightclub. It was a, a big deal. And then, out of the blue, they start experiencing all of this blight. Right there's It's downtrodden for some reason. And they're just somehow getting less customers to the point that they're driven out of business. Well, that was manufactured by our friend Roger. Um, because they found that this was a place of power. And that it was an ancient place of power, I think. Um, as a matter of fact, if memory serves, it used to be like a like a burial ground with deep spiritual significance to the people in the forever
1: past. If you and by forever past, if you ever heard of the phrase, the tataleoko Sept of the Guru, then you then you understand that it says it's long vanished. By the way, I never heard of it. Anybody else? Nope. Uh, nope. Not in this book. Not in any other. It's just kind of
0: it's a big deal because we needed a big deal to be in this spot in the city. It's, it's the Glass Walker Clubhouse.
2: Well, it's it's the theme that, that kind of runs through this area. They talk uh, like the, the Great Cairn wasn't founded until the 1700s. Uh, that's when the uh snipped it out and were able to get in there and actually dedicate and, and you know call the spirits in that, that were already there, already dormant and already extremely powerful. It's the same thing throughout this whole area, throughout the whole protectorate. There's these tiny little spots where there's these places of power that could just as easily be pulled into Gaia as they could into the worm. And it so happens that, uh, that one of those spots was found uh, directly by, by Roger Daly here, and he recovered it. It wasn't a fallen cairn, and it wasn't a dead cairn. It was just an abandoned cairn.
1: So, and by abandon, what happens to a cairn if no one assaulted it and no one's on it? Well, the spirit goes dormant not fed by Gnosis and thus its promise for being there. Um the clan's not tended to. And uh there's there's a reason people tend to the land itself and they have a theoret that sits and works within the septa or the cairn itself proper. Um it decides that it's gonna still obey its purpose. It's just not going to be awake for it. Right? <laughs> I like, to, I like to think
2: that uh, that cairn spirits, just like your puppies, need to be pet from time to time. And we have a dedicated the
1: urge for that.
0: <laughs> you gotta socialize them, right? Make sure they're nice <laughs>
1: around people. He's got to figure it out, right? It needs something to do with that. And uh, that's it's sort of the same thing. Well, not even sort of. It is slam dunk, right? Yep. Now, from the Smiling Booty Cairn, we just jump uh, to the Great Cairn. Reason being, are there a ton of other cool places they put in this book with a, with a paragraph describing it? Yes. there are a lot of locations, some of them are like uh, hunting grounds or places that specific NPCs would visit and check out. And this yep. book's filled with way too much for us to start going through and doing it, but it does a cool job of mentioning them. Like, if you're an ST wondering, you know, what sort of person would go here, why do they have this here, what's the point of it, every smart place in this in Vancouver, some and a lot of it without, they, they mention to uh, leave as Easter eggs. You know, some of it's part of the story for the War and Peace story they got, others is for, hey, don't forget, there's still these other cool places for your players to get. Maybe Siegfried Hands Out Territory, maybe... The worlds want territory or daily send you on a mission, whatever it is, plenty in here. But we want to make sure that we focus on these hot points of the time we got. And Nick's mentioned it, the Great Cairn in the beginning, and we kind of went over what it is and what it does uh, there at the introduction. But I want to open it up, Mike. Um, when it comes to the Great Cairn, what is the issue with the Wendigo about them being up in arms about the cooperation, Cairn?
0: Um I got the impression that they are still a little bit bitter that they acted too slow when the Europeans came over. This all of this region, like we talked about, used to be with uh Tenna, Wendigo. This is our space, is our home. Europeans came over, some people wanted to get in there and and make it a fight. Wendigo. Others not so much. And by the time we had concluded that we couldn't make it a fight, the uh, colonists had progressed too far. To- I mean, uh, why, why
2: would that happen, right? Well, uh, What was their mm-hmm. initial thought? What, what stayed their hand at the very beginning? They wanted to teach the Europeans how to be like the pure tribes, right? Uh-huh. And when, where do they get an idea like that? Because they... Maybe from a great care and spirit of cooperation? <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> I mean,
0: you would think that if, some, if werewolves can do it, you know, people can do it. And I, it
1: didn't seem far fetched, without the benefit of hindsight. <laughs> well, what, what's cool about this place too, like that—that's true about the Wendigo. But they also start talking about that there's these these moots and convocate, or excuse me, conciliations that are held here. Um, great, that's awesome. But then they mentioned Stanley Park as being sort of a a throwdown challenge area. Remember that? Like if because uh, they got a compact that per- uh, does not permit them to fight to the death. Yep. Right. So, so they go to Stanley Park and it's challenges between one group to another. They go here and they get bloody. This is where people get in the dirt and start handling their business. And I find this entertaining because it's like you can't be at the Great Cairn, but go to the baseball park or whatever Stanley Park represents. Um, what I mean by that is, is that. How more sporting of an event does it have to be? Can you imagine it? Like, we know that there are aware in the city, we know where they exist, but how hard would it be for a, a smart gang-grown an or aspiring Nosferatu to bring a camera? <laughs> have, have wolf fights? You know, this, this week it's Daily's best against, I don't know, <laughs> you know, the the get, will they be toppled this week? Who knows? Tune in next time and run, like, an right. internal show. Just every every time the every time the get have a moot, and you know they're gonna be
2: drinking, just get get everybody together, get the get the picks out and, uh, and start taking bets.
1: I, I, th- I think that's adorable.
0: I mean, it is. So you bring it up, and it's funny, the book mentions a, a couple times the very powerful and lingering effect that the delirium has on some of these sites. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, people look and they see fires at the Great Cairn and just assume it's kids. But at the same time, the prevailing opinion is that nobody hangs out over there kids would never be there. I can't remember what the other sites were, but it made me chuckle a little bit. How it's like, obfuscate and some dominate and some some memory dance.
2: No, it's good to see, it's good to see things like that in play. Right? So, uh, the, the idea of, of just how you would weave the delirium in on your stories is never really well detailed out. Like, there's, there's a part in here where they talk about, uh, a bunch of werewolves that raid something. And, uh, and then the report comes back that it was a, it was a bunch of eco terrorists wearing fur coats um, that had armor on. Yeah. But the idea of that is uh, that there would be people that are eco terrorists that wear fur coats like that, that uh, that connection never really draws into people. The, the dichotomy of, you know, these two opposing ideas uh, working simultaneously. It happens a couple of times in this book, and it's worth, uh, it's worth the, the smile that it puts on your face. Be like, oh yeah, the delirium just throws logic right out the window.
0: It's, it's like the veil is making fun of people. It should. <laughs>
3: if
1: you don't you know what's going on, sucker. You know, that's why I always feel the veil is. It's like the great joke. Uh, but, bounce along, so we have Easter eggs here, too. And I watched it say Seeds of the Future. Here we have Seattle. We know there's a video game where Seattle's to be based in a world of darkness now you two can look for the similarities here that they put in this book right here they tell you that you know it's 250 miles south of vancouver but seattle's a city on the brink anarchs extended the borders of the free states and uh, seattle is their target city that means that mm-hmm. at this point when the book was made the Camarilla does not intend to lose the city at all so much so they put a justicar there uh, to handle the anarch revolt and stop he's it on was- retainer Right, and, and to stop it from spreading north. And it's not just any Justicar, it's Justicar Petrodon. Which is an brought to And Petrodon doesn't play. right? And it, but that tells you also how dated this is. Obviously the, the, the stats, excuse <laughs> me, the roles are updated, Petrodon suffers an interesting fate, and, and things happen. Uh, but the point is, here's where you have old big daddy Petrodon deciding that, uh, well, how does he call it? He calls Vancouver a distraction from the Anarchs. Or he said, no, he says, excuse me, let me take that back. That due to the distraction that the anarchs represent, Petrodon has not turned his attention to the lawless city of Vancouver. I.e. the idea that Siegfried has of calling this an independent city, and that's what he's publicly stated and like enforcing, this old cat has he's plans to go there to deal with him. The great part about this is you look at it
2: like this old commander whose city is under siege, right? The armies are at the walls. He walks up to the battlements, looks over the battlefield, sees this giant army railing against his his walls and the siege towers are coming up, but his eye goes past that army on down to the horizon where he sees the other castle sitting there and he grips his sword and goes, in time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One thing at a time. Why that's potent is because you see this mention and then this is where it holds. Right there's no onus here, but they load the gun here. Like you could, it's another it's another facet you could start a p- campaign off of. Being in Seattle, if you were an anarchist, if this is an anar game, it's it's a it's a war zone. Right, you got just scars, Archons, you name it, coming at you. The camera, you know, piping on your neck, or the camera looking to send emissaries uh, to get assistance, knowing that hey, Siegfried, you need you need to clear your name. This Justicar is coming for your head, or maybe something can be worked out. I like how they throw that in there. Uh, Some other key points, too, but why I say this is because I'm interested in just how much of Seattle's story makes it to the game. uh, In the V5 world. Which I hope it does, right? Naturally, they've done everything else in inclusion. Why not this? Uh, But, um, then there's an interesting place called the (laughs) Spuzzum. Nick, Nick, I told you this would pick at you a bit. The Spuzzum. It's spelled S-P-U-Z-Z-U-M and gives me no indication of how to say it so it's spuzz spuzzum is what what i call it but what's spuzzum Uh, spuzzum is this
2: tiny little town uh that's uh 80 miles up the valley northeast of vancouver and uh and it's the reason it's of note is because for whatever reason the soviet military decided that this was a good place for a military base um the uh the town's population is like less than a thousand by a long grade, like right. maybe 400. And, uh, and that's smaller than any military base anywhere in Canada. But for some reason, the Soviets are just like, maybe it's just a scouting outlook post.
1: Who knows? But maybe it's to their nuclear target list, right? Like, we'll hit there first. What? <laughs> backwater. All right. <laughs> uh, it's bright. So Spuzzle might not be the place to hang out. Uh, but the other thing is, Spuzzum's populated by werewolves and their kinfolk, only by them. A lot of kinfolk. Sound like Spuzzum? Uh, it's unique. Sound like Spuzzum is where you go to get down when it's time to get down. Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> it's great <laughs> well,
0: to it, hear. I, I would, you would be out of your mind because it's
2: the Great Get Highway.
0: <laughs> you know, bring beer. The get'll be cool.
2: I like maybe maybe you didn't, <clears throat> didn't check out that section in the in the get area, but. uh, if you're a get and you're coming to, uh, to Vancouver, you come through Spuzzum. This is a family show, Nick. That sounds dirtier than it should. <laughs>
3: you go to Spuzzum.
1: <laughs> you go to Spuzzum. If you're anybody who's anybody visits Spuzzum, if you want to learn how to get down in a war with the get. Right? Like the get. Uh, uh-huh. I, it cracks me up, right? It says this small town, the get could ferry out supplies to probable sites of battle, coordinate their forays against the worm and humans. To the get, how is this not a vacation area? exactly what it is like like you show up here's your rucksack what are you going after uh tonight we're hunting sabat. hunting sabbat all right here's your flamethrower i get a whole flamethrower <laughs> why not we all got right. sabat coming down <laughs> from anchorage then we're on it <laughs> there's sabat in anchorage oh don't forget send this blank check to the prince to fill out how much it is per sabbat member we liked the last tv set like what all right have a day like it's a well it's a well-oiled machine they got going on and why not? Who doesn't do that, right? Um, so it's interesting, uh, just to see how that pans out. But how does this get maintained? Right? At the end of the day, well, what are the princes' laws, right? He has to have laws in this book, and indeed he does. And uh we're gonna we're gonna touch on these a bit. Siegfried comes along in uh, the mid nineteen forties, he says, Hey, I'm in charge. Here are my new laws. And this is how they plan to kill uh to take the peace. Uh walk us through this, Nick. These are no laws like you have seen before
2: in vampire books, though each one of them is going to make sense. Rule number one, no vampire will kill an inhabitant of the city. That means kindred. That means mortals. That means all of it. You don't kill anybody. Why? Because the Canadian Royal mounted police are that damn good that any murder draws their attention
1: way more than you're used to. So how is that not the second inquisition?
2: Uh, in the fact that they're not aware of vampires and don't
1: hunt them specifically. Well, think of the response to what I'm going for. I love watching this, right? Because that's, that's that's the second piece of evidence where I might go, oh, it's a great idea. But that would be a great idea in any city, wouldn't it? Uh, it, it would be... A-
2: a, it's it's a natural conclusion right if you were prince you set up your own city what, what's the first rule you say well of course stop killing people why because it's a pain in my ass every time
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's only so many minds i can wipe okay move <laughs> stop <laughs> costing <laughs> me so much money i will right, well, then the second law uh, oh great prince nick what, what's the second one the second one also a pretty wise rule
2: no one will incite the guru what? Makes sense to me. You heard me. <laughs> Quit picking fights with the fur babies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's interesting, right? It's, it's, it's saying that uh, even before the covenant, it was strictly against the prince's laws to attack or otherwise provoke the lupines. I wonder why. Alright, it's like, uh, duh, like, who disobeys that law that it had to be made a law? That's what I'm curious about. Um, but, you'd be shocked. For instance, there are gang grill whose sole job in the city of Vancouver is to patrol where the werewolves
3: go and monitor them lockstep. They said specifically they get headsets and silver ammo. Right? But don't incite the guru. Interesting, right? Interesting. (laughs) Uh, But Mike,
1: Nick's laws suck. What's the third one? Third one's got to be something worth it. (laughs) No
0: conflict between kindred will be tolerated within city limits, nor will any feud be followed into Vancouver. Vancouver is the continental from John Wick.
1: What the hell? <laughs> you're cramping my style. I... Wow. That's actually a really good
3: analogy.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it says. Siegfried says, this is my house. I don't care what you're doing outside. If you come to Vancouver, you chill out or you go miss it.
1: Okay. 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 All right. Fine. Fine. I, I just intercept the fleece Seattle and end up somewhere and have some safety. Okay. So it's fine. I'll settle that. At least I can go here and take care of clan business, right, Nick?
2: No, not at all. Uh, rule number four. No meetings of clans or other vampiric organizations will be held in Vancouver. In other words, keep your business out my house. Uh, this this
1: is garbage. <laughs> I can't do politics. I can't come in here with any conflict. This was What is this, vacation for Kindred? Yes, that's exactly what it is. The book says, it, it the is. book
0: literally says that the Inkanu come here, put some time off. <laughs> <laughs> rumored. Rumored. Right. I'm just saying. Well,
1: they got a fifth law. <laughs> right? Uh, this this is simple, because if anything, it, doesn't, it makes sense because it's a tradition as well, but it, then again, it's enforced in a different way. It says, no children will be sired within Vancouver. Now, there isn't a tradition that says you will never sire anyone. There is one, though, that goes over accounting and You need permission from the prince and all that fun stuff. This kind of tucked in. I feel a lot into that. But this one is literally saying, if you sire someone in Vancouver, you will be killed. So nobody cares if you had permission in Seattle and you came over here and you embraced them because you need to be somewhere calm to do it. They care that you cross the city limits and embrace them, so now you die.
0: Well, I mean, in in effect, it's the same as a murder, right? If I'm I'm the prince and I don't want to have to deal with paying people off or covering up your death. Going
1: missing is almost as bad. So, talking about this then, can, I, can a Sabat member come in here and chill out? Yes. As long as they act right. Well, here's the thing.
2: Uh, there's uh, anyone, anyone, period, can petition to Siegfried to join in in, in Vancouver. It is considered
1: safe haven. You, you know how boss Siegfried has to be to enforce this? Yeah. He's bucking a card that's next door. And
2: and he's bucking an entire sect that is somehow distracted with fighting the Camarilla, right? The sabat's not that far away. Montreal, it's just over there, and there's a there's not a lot in between them other than woods.
1: Well, that might be everything. <laughs> if I if I told if I told you, hey, you're my favorite pack, you know, twenty five seventeen. We're gonna go over there and race some We're gonna we're gonna kill Siegfried. Yeah, where? Vancouver. Do you know what boat I have to take?
2: <laughs> that's just because Elias the whale can't swim. Is right. that what you're saying? <laughs> if he can't swim it,
1: it's not going to get done. <laughs> I, I'm saying that's another facet of a game that you just mentioned there. That's a hell of a Sabat game. To so have to go in there and F their laws and get it done.
3: Woo.
2: I mean, uh, well, there's a problem with that, right? There's, there's an inherent problem
3: with marching a sabot pack over there. And that is, the group will let a single single vampire through if
2: you walk with your children good luck they got you right. but if you are anything more than one single vampire walking up to this city you're
0: done That's the problem
1: i love it if the group suspect that a group is attempting to enter one by one they might take action against the who they believe are part of the group <laughs> hey, i gotcha oh thank god these wolves are too stupid to notice we could stagger <laughs> it out by an hour Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Too many at once. We haven't seen anybody in
0: 30 days housing five of y'all in one.
1: Right. And then, and then like you said, they talk about the spot too busy fighting the Camarilla and they're throwing resources back and forth to try to set that up, but they don't have time to do it. And they're basically it's like the perfect storm. Anarch's contending the Camarilla right now and CLA ain't got time for it. Uh Montreal yep. got their own problems. And even so, this the, the focus they're putting towards Vancouver it's not enough. It's not enough at the moment because all they could do is resource battle which princes do all day long, right? So, yep. like, oh, yeah, of course, we're down stocks. We'll figure it out. Well, this is about to try to learn what stocks are once again, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a... rinse. You mean the stock on my rifle? <laughs> 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 all right. Well, that's the vampire's laws. Well, What is it about this covenant, then? Why are the gurus so 100% about that? Like, uh, explain to me, if, I mean, if you don't mind, guys, what do I have to expect as a guru dealing with this alleged Vancouver covenant? What is it? Where'd it come from?
2: Well, the, uh, the, 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 negotiation that happened between Roger Daly and, uh, our Necros friend that, uh, the problem we have here is, uh, is that both of them had to make certain concessions to kind of make this whole deal work. Now, the concessions that were put in place for Kindred was that, they could use their business influence to keep the worm out of the city right and that they would restrain the resource companies to some degree so as long as they're following these simple four steps they can they can maintain here and and consider themselves on good terms with the guru any guru that wants to go in to visit the great cairn gets free passage and furthermore the last deal, after they're wielding all this influence and helping to keep the worm out of the city and they're restricting these companies, these, these mining and, and milling and lumbering companies, they have to give a little bit back. They have to look, give a little bit back to reforestation
3: programs and fire prevention programs. <laughs> so if you can plant a tree, you can come in. <laughs> it's the smallest. It's the smallest ask. Uh, it is. It's
1: it's brilliant. It's like give a little back, here you go. Um you don't need that super fancy house. Just settle for the 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 few logs you bought, put them up there and on the shore like everybody else, and chill. And uh you're fine. It's basically chillville And yeah. this is what they agreed to, right? That's that's kind of back and forth of what they have. Uh the Kindred, I one of my favorite lines I like here is where it says the group will simply keep the peace and stop their assault on vampires of the city. Literally, we don't have to kill you. <laughs> that's it. The kids are like, "Hey, could you stop attacking us?" The moment we hear the chainsaw start, <laughs> our activists are to come out here to protest. But guess what happens to you, right? And that's the that's the whole thing. Now we mentioned these covenants and people meeting, and we talked about daily. uh We talked about the covenant, have an idea of what it is. Now we know why people could kind of come here and congregate, and this can work. But what's really the tribal views that we got going on? Like that's to me one of the more important things. Um, in particular, let's just assume they all agree to it, because that's the reason this is working, right? Yep. What about those that don't, but just have to eat it? Well,
2: the Black Furies, for example, um, are, are not happy at all, right? Not only do they not like the Covenant, they don't like the Compact. Compact is what says the Great Cairn is shared by all, and uh, and nobody spills blood on the Cairn in those simple rules. But the Covenant is the is the, the relationship between the Kindred and the Guru. And Black Furies say, we agree with neither of those. Why don't you just let us <laughs> hold this cairn the way we should? You know, we're strong enough, too, and we can kind of you know babysit this area the way we should.
1: And because of the popularity of them, i.e., we love them, but also it's the truth of uh, them being quite possibly one of the great tribes, if uh, if they could just remove certain stigmas off them right now.
3: Uh, that's- <laughs> uh, <laughs> stigmas that, finish?
1: for some reason, just keep getting brought up by, by our author
2: after author. Right, author after uh, author. author- the Vancouver get, surprisingly, they're not that opposed to it. Uh, they, uh, they, they think of these as like the, the, this relationship is just a temporary distraction, right? And if it, it minimizes the conflict that they would have so that they can focus more on fighting the worm.
1: We're back to that whole point they made in the beginning, right? Which is, uh, well, the worm is, uh, sure, there are things born of the worm. But if they're willing to battle other minions of the worm, okay. It's like I was like said earlier, right? The the idea of this in, in
2: in the uh in the get mentality is if you take the field with me today, you'll stay my hammer this day.
1: <laughs> who's their leader though? Like I feel we should analyze who this guy is. Who's the who's the genius who's who's in Mount Spasm handing out <laughs> handing out the orders to get to Kraken? breaking necks and cashing checks like who's who's doing this um our great fearless leader stephanie wald
2: now this guy is a uh they, they basically say he's the character of chore or uh he's the character of thor like he's got muscles on top of his muscles he stands six six and he weighs like almost 300 pounds you know he's got that short cropped blonde hair so that nobody can grab a hold of anything and uh and the great thing I liked about this guy is, is they finally brought in the, uh, the conceptualization of get where it should be, right? They start talking about it in the, in the role play notes that he relishes a good fight. He respects anybody who can give him a challenge, but he finds it notoriously difficult to stop from, from killing his foes because he gets so emotional about it. He gets emotional in, the, in, in both his fighting, but in other things as well. He's also known to get misty-eyed over seeing a cub succeed their rite of passage. He's a man who's bound into glory and, and loves every aspect of it.
1: And finally, we, we get that, that heartfelt aspect of that having passion to be the strongest. Or that pursuit of strength is what I think he encompasses every step of. Right? I mean, glory is the same thing here, right? It's, it's someone who truly feels they're here to be as strong as possible or to lead those who feel the same. Uh, to go against the worm—that's the apocalypse. It's time to do it. It's time to focus. That's what we're here to do. We yep. don't have time for you to decide that we're here as some sort of sexist, weirdo, racist thing. That's not what true get are about. It's not what we're about. Nor do we have do we have want or issue to turn into debate as you try to ask what we are. You will look at our deeds, and you will know us through our glory. That's that's what you judge, and that's how you will know you were in the presence of a get. And that's what I like about this guy. Uh, he, he screams as someone who would speak very little and just get it done. Yep. That's also why he could sit back and spud spuzz him and just... <laughs> <laughs> spuzz him. Right? Glad you're here. Here's a case of brew on us. Here's everything else. And this Fianna's going to show you where to go. Why does the Fianna have, like, steaks? Welcome to Vampireville, where those sons of bitches may think that we don't know that they have girl walking around, watching us, whatever just wear the stake just in case to let them know we saw. Get out there, right? And like and like lockstep is how it reads. If you're <laughs> taking a break it's cuz you're not getting it up enough. It's uh it's it's an interesting take. Uh but who's not taking it so well? In particular, I know it's the the Shadow Lords is one of them. But the question is why? Why are the Shadow Lords so against this covenant and the compact? Well, there's a there's a
2: couple of reasons, right? The the first and foremost is it was proposed by a, uh, by a silver fang, right? <laughs> so immediately, th- they're, they're upset that not only do they get to maintain control, they, they don't get to maintain soul control, right? They're not the sole protectors of the Great Cairn, which is already uh, a blow to the, to the Shadow Lord pride. But then on top of that, this idea comes along, well, why don't we ally with the vampires and go and fight the worm? And, it, and of all people, the most shadow lord idea comes out of a
1: silver fang's mouth. <laughs> to hell with it. <laughs> and, and why I like it is because you already said it. Who really built this was Daly. Yep. Daly slapped it up with the cross. They sat back and said, Here's how we're going to do it. Nefarious deal, back alley, but not so nefarious. Right? It may have, like you said, of the worm, not to the worm's purpose. And here's Daly. Yeah, I'll be your Huckleberry. This sounds like fun. This will last as long as you can stand it, because let me tell you, when this ends, it's all coming down on your side. (laughs) It'll be you vamps before us, and that seems to be the feel. And Daley's sinister in how he sets it up. I mean, every step of this book has me reading it going, uh, the vampires underestimated him. Yeah, they said you're alive and you don't know what's going on. He's like, Jack, I'm going to ruin a glass walker. Literally the spirit you think the spirit that led you here as a as a hairless monkey and told you to build here. You know, that human side of you, that spirit's called the weaver. And guess what? My tribe speaks the language. 100%. <laughs> Not only do we speak the language, I'm Roger MF and daily. I got the book on it. Wanna see my you see my tie? It's made out of spider silk. (laughs) Ooh, look shiny. Oh, you're a Malk? I broke the mirror. Wanna check it out? Oh, you know my language too. Goody. And the cross claps his hands and Daily just smiles. (laughs) Right? That's that's how it goes down. Now what's interesting about this is that uh the Red Talons I hope I shouldn't have to tell anybody why the Red Talons are against this Right, if there's one tribe if if I did Nobody played Werewolf, and you heard this for the first
3: time. And you heard that the Red Talons, what are they composed of again? Lupus only. They're wild-spirited. Vancouver's a city. Vampires are in it. Okay, are they for or against the Covenant?
1: I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going I'm to guess they're against it. <laughs> right? Do, do you need help <laughs> with that? Do you know what it is? Uh sure. You know maybe we have to explain what a lupus is. It's a wolf. Do you we could even dumb it down. Would a wolf like to be in the city or in the woods? In the woods. Okay. If a wolf could, would you think it would destroy a city if it could? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Us too. <laughs> the Red Talons agree.
2: Right? So not only do we not get to kill the vampires, we also don't get to kill the homids. What are we
1: killing? Nothing. We're not killing anything.
0: <laughs> what is happening
3: here?
1: Something's not this right. doesn't stand. <laughs> But this is where you start seeing the seeds of why the Red Talons and the Wendigo get along. Right? Because hatred, for whatever reason, unites faster than peace sometimes. And this is one of those things. So when the Red Talons are out there and they go to the Wendigo, remember where the Wendigos land? This is their their neck of the woods. This is their tribal neck of the woods. And they gotta sit here. and Because you know what? It's the spirit of cooperation. We're here. What are we... All right, I guess you guys could be here, but that's the worm, guys. You're making deals with the worm and the Glass Walker, the Ura, as we know the term, right? The cursed ones, I believe. Um, The ones who live in the city. They're like, what's the big deal? It's vampires killing the worm. You don't care. Why do you care? Like, just let it. Like, we're totally cool with it. Just let it happen. And Wendigore, like, no, we're supposed to kill them. Them specific. Kill them all. Kill them all. Nah. (laughs) <laughs> now nah, we're good we'll be all right and all the other tribes are like we're okay with this except for the few we've mentioned who are like but we're really not might of the Gru, right plus karen cooperation equals wait a second bob that makes sense so just rewind this clock a little bit you mentioned the tribes that don't get along it seems to be no more more than enough anywhere else to cause a problem conflict or up or the guru wouldn't get along all right so it's cooperation karen but that's just for the karen that's the energy that keeps them there at the cairn to be at peace. Why would they care to deal with the vampires in the first place in the city? What's going on? Well, I feel before we dive into interesting characters, uh, the one we kind of got to go at first uh, is this um, entity. Uh, they call the slumbering giant. Right? This is a door We're going at this a little backwards here. Uh, but Mike, do me a favor. Can you explain what this slumbering giant is? Sure. Um, so a tale is told of some ancient cadaver who
0: traveled through what the area that would become Vancouver back when it was the pure land. At some point he embraced some other very, very powerful cadaver who ran off to the South. We we'll learned about him in other books. His name is McLean Cootley. Um, but this guy is apparently sleeping under Vancouver with a pet ventrue <laughs> protecting his interest and psychically coordinating and maneuvering the pieces so that he can continue to rest peacefully in a city free of the jihad. Okay. Um, hey, you
2: know, I was, uh, I was listening there and maybe I, maybe I looked off to the side and, uh, and
3: I fell asleep temporarily, but it seems like Jew. You... <clears> um, <throat> I Did you say this is the
2: the sire of Cootli? like from Awakening Diablery,
0: Mexico? It is heavily implied. It's also slightly implied that he
1: was maybe get kinfolk?
0: Question mark? Before he was a
1: vampire? <laughs> Not only are they talked about that, they talk about that this guy is the vampire. The like, gangrel that came over here to these lands and been walking around talking to all the Native Americans. And now yep. we're tinfoil hats, folks, of your V5 players. Let's put them on tight. Put them on tight. Go look at the Chicago by Night book. And there's that weird girl who talks about her embrace, right? They tell you the story of her and how she might be crazy or she might be ultra powerful and she might be ancient. But they talk about how her people were one was selected to go with this ancient every now and again and get embraced as if she might have been the third person to walk that was chosen to be there by this grand entity. I can't imagine there were more superpowered entities running around than this dude. Right? It's interesting how they point that out because here's the other fun fun fact important point. Child of Gangro herself.
3: Yep.
0: Yeah. Apparently right? high enough generation or low enough to maybe have animalism
1: powers that affect Guru? Question mark. And it's not <laughs> about low enough generation. Right? It has nothing I will fundamentally tell you. I don't care how much you diab. I don't care how old your vampire is. That's not going to matter. You would need to be access to something that made you, that would give you an edge. And they put this in here. Well, if it's Gangrel's descendant, and Jack, let me tell you how much we love in this era back then when this book was made. We love having Gangrel interact with some lupines.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Right? That's all over. We would love it, right? And was the talk of the town when it came to the moon children. And so because of that, oh, here is one. With the ability to use animalism as easy as as a gengar would use it on rats or dogs, this Methuselah can use it on Guru. Which means, when they say the situation in Vancouver is largely due to the desires of this vampire, that's exactly and precisely what they mean.
3: Yeah, let that resonate. There's yep. no. That's a heavy hit. <laughs> it's not only a heavy hit; it's a necessary one because there are fans like
1: Mike, much and I know Mike, you especially. That hate the mystery of why they act this way. Why is it nebulous? It's not nebulous. It's because you have a time bomb that's sleeping underground that says, "Hey, peace with my werewolves. Be cool. There will be peace. Right? <laughs> you. There will be peace with my werewolves, or else. And the few vampires that are here, are yeah. elder enough to go. That's what's going to happen. Why? We don't know why, but that's what's going to happen. Really? Uh huh. And done. Yeah, it's uh, the level level 9 uh,
2: animalism discipline, Vancouver and chill, is, is what we're using here. <laughs> and nobody better step out of line because this guy wants to make sure that steak's ready when he wakes up. <laughs> so nobody go about tearing nobody up. Nobody go about starting wars and burning down any woods. Vancouver and chill is in effect.
1: <laughs> I applaud these authors because they bait you perfectly with this it says the safe haven aspect of the city was enacted to prevent the political squabbles of the kindred from causing too much violence in the area okay it was implemented so the city would not attract thirsty anarchs or vengeful sabat. <laughs> deliberately baiting you right this was made so you wouldn't come for the Methuselah it's a war party to find a sleeping Methuselah and we're like oh you guys are going yeah we're, we're the Van Cortland Rangers from the Warriors yeah we became a Sabat pack <laughs> we're gonna be in on this Well, then I honor you as brave, says the Archbishop Carolina Velez of Montreal. Go get it done. Happy Diabri. And he's one pack of however many decide they're tearing off over here to eat this sleeping giant. Or could it possibly be the authors are sitting there going, no one's that psychotic. It's a gangrel Methuselah. If there was ever a clan you didn't want to jump when they had an elder generation or power level of age attached to it, it's the freaking gay girl. I Don't get, chip your fangs
2: on that guy's neck.
1: Do it. Chip your fang. You're going to run up to get to him, and, and the werewolves are just going to turn and not know why. We hear you, Gaia. I'm, 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 stop calling me that. Like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, the apocalypse is nice. You come, and I bet you that if they have a Sabbat vampire that figure out how to take a Krenos form, I believe it's Celeste out of Montreal by night, I guarantee you. This cat's got that ability and more, <laughs> right? She got it from somewhere. She a descendant of this bad boy somewhere down the line. We could just throw it all here, but the seeds are there. Because how fun would that be? You know, right now, listening, everyone listening would want to be a part of that game as a subipec that's going in here to have at it. Uh-huh.
2: I have to... sign me Don't up, Wake
0: Daddy. Vancouver
1: it would be edition. awesome. <laughs> you' got tired
2: of my text messages. When's this game starting?
1: When's <laughs> it's a good time. But let's talk a little bit about the vampires, right? We talked about some key werewolves, right? We got Daily, we got Thor uh, kind of thrown in. And it's not that they're the only two important ones. There's others, but this city encompasses both, and we kind of want to give that flavor, a, a quick mix. If those two juggernauts are walking around and making it work. What about the other side of the fence? And so to that end, uh, Nick, if you actually, Mike, if you wouldn't mind, uh, what's, give us an idea of Siegfried. Um, Siegfried is this, he's an ancient Visigoth. It's this
0: very, very short version. Um, From Roman times, gets embraced, kills his sire, classic story, comes to the West. Um, But he he seems to be, to me at least, to be a master of, like, well, subtlety. Um, He's ancient, so we know he's powerful, but he's got a way of doing things that just gets them done. Um, and that, that is how he, he finds his way to dominance in, in Vancouver. You know, again, like we said, under the influence of the, the ancient one. Um, but nevertheless, it's not like, you know, he, he rode a Camar- uh, a Camarilla Crusade to power on the West Coast. He just kind of, what is that? I'm, I'm losing the word. He's subtle. <laughs> subtle. Subtle is the word I'll use for Siegfried.
1: Subtle ancient Visigoth. He's a subtle ancient Visigoth. I kind of dig that. I like that explanation. Um, do you uh do you want to add to that, Nick? I uh I I think
2: Vancouver is Siegfried. Siegfried is Vancouver. All the way back to the very founding, he came over here to get rid of, uh, get away from all that Cam Elder bullshit, and and he said, "This is a place. I will start a town, and it will have none of that." And then eventually, you know, a bunch of people come in and they make a mess of it, and he decides he's going to take Prince, but. Who's going to oppose him? I mean, he's obviously like the most powerful guy in town, but he's got a beautiful missus with him. Uh, tremere by the name of uh,
1: Julie Foster. Mm. Now, I love Julie Foster, the idea of it. It's uh, the—it's a love interest. It's clearly, it's a lover of the prince. Why I enjoy it is because it's not really done. Right? It's not, it's not, this is a typical love affair. I mean, he owns a nightclub called Love Affair. Yep. Right? He's got another place called Graceland uh-huh right he's uh-huh. this this guy is unique like you would sit down and talk to Siegfried and he'd be like well what else do you think of uh the honky tonk I like the honky tonk it's still good yeah right because I don't know how he would sound <laughs> in ancient Visigoth. goth I'm just throwing stuff out there I'm just you know to me it's like it's a it's a breathable character like oh that's kind of cool <laughs> but here's Julie Foster would tell you I hate it when he starts talking about hockey right like you would hear her saying that you know What's not to like? It's a stick and you hit people and there's the puck and it takes skill to go around in circles and slam it into a goal. Or that man is an enforcer. His job is to push him up against the glass. <laughs> and, and her to make comments like, listen, a woman can do the same thing. Of course. If she uses magic.
3: Right? Like You, <laughs> you would see this conversation <laughs> just smile to be in the room. To have, it makes, uh,
1: these are likable vampire characters, which shocked me. Right? Not everybody, but at least these two I thought were very sweet to have here in the book. Uh, but there's got to be a fly in the ointment, Mike. Oh. Who's that fly in the ointment? You mean, uh, <laughs> so we've mentioned him once or twice. There's a fellow named
0: Necross in the city. Um, if this were a, a Camarilla city, he'd definitely be a
3: primogen. Um, he is a insane... Malkavian
0: librarian
1: who those damn
0: librarians (laughs) pulled a cult all of the cities I think all there might be one or two exceptions but basically all of the cities Nosferatu literally worship this man who has multiple personality disorder and is the fifth gen librarian for a tome of knowledge and wisdom that you will find Nowhere other than maybe Alexandria.
2: Well, it's not the first time we've found a crazy Malkavian hiding with, in a library. With all
0: the knowledge, right? With all the knowledge. Just to be clear, <laughs> the book says that Julie and her mastery are the result of hanging out in this dude's library and hanging out with Secret, Right. And all he, wants, well, all he wants is to kick it in his library and read and learn and be worshipped. Okay, but how does that make
2: him the fly in the ointment? Right. Uh, isn't isn't the fly anointment our our for every princess we have a jilted uh like lady who never nah, made it. Mm.
0: Okay, I won't I won't complain about her. Go ahead, go ahead, Nick. Talk
1: about- So so saying I oh. say you're not gonna complain. but hold up, hold up. We we talk about that. So you feel cross is the fly anointment ointment because he likes libraries and not Sparatu? I would be concerned if somebody had a cult of a clan in my city. Oh Nick, hold up, hold up, hold up. Mike missed where they put the phantom in a city. You know, oh the-
2: yeah. All right. Sorry, but you ain't you ain't worried. First of all, this guy don't get to have clan meetings. He has a library. Let him sit there with his books and read his <laughs> books. Who cares? He's reading books. We'll buy him prints. Is he trying to take my prints him? No. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is he inciting my guru? No. <laughs> uh, uh, okay.
0: Fine. <laughs> no. Uh,
2: how can you... How can you...
0: Okay, man, this,
2: this book is written with this person as the villain.
0: Cult leader in the sewers with the greatest tome of knowledge on the
1: West Coast. That's fine. Okay, n- now we're on to something. Because, well, he- well here's why. Necrosse, right now, stable.
3: Right? It seems that way. He's in the sewers, he's got his books, he's there. But that is like an overt plate waiting to tip over. Like, might
1: be a problem. We won't really know until it's too late. Because what gen is in Fifth. Fifth. What was He's that? He's fifth gen. One,
3: two, three, four. Fifth! fifth. Yeah, exactly.
1: He <laughs> pleads the fifth, right? He's fifth. We ain't gonna know when that guy's gonna blow his horn until when it is. But with something that wouldn't be plot-rending that you would expect. And of course, Nick, who are we referring to about that actual fly in the ointment? Stelest. It
2: has to be our annoying Ventrue wannabe. The jilted lady who tried to take Princeton from a city that she doesn't really want to talk about. But she fled here for safety, and in our gracious nature, we granted it to her. And she has done only one thing since she's been here. Plotted to become Prince
1: of the City. Backstabbing. Traitorous. That's it. Talks about her having a following of vampires in Vancouver. A small, small amount of them were bloodbound to her. Right? She came in with problems. Like, smuggled people in. It has plans secretly allied herself with guttooth now mike what's the big deal with guttooth what is a guttooth
0: guttooth is this particular shadow lord um who is talking that red talon talk right this is unacceptable this is blasphemy we can't tolerate the worm we need to take the war to people. you said Red.
1: you said red talon talk that would literally be
0: <laughs> I'm teasing,
1: I'm teasing, I'm, teased, I'm teased.
0: Oh, Definitely. But, but you get what I'm saying, though. But somehow, for some reason, Guttooth is both not getting murdered and really turning the ears of young werewolves in Vancouver. And it's strange because none of his arguments are fresh. He's making the same argument against tolerating the humans that the Wendigo made, that the Red Talons make all the time. Um, but even... Young Silverfangs can't help but feel compelled by Guttooth's presentation.
1: This is just an hour, another power-grabbing shadow, Lord. Exactly. Prove exactly. wrong. <laughs> uh, there's, there's no way to prove you wrong. Because what Guttooth represents is for them smarmy werewolf characters that are sneaking in, talking about how they're going to end it, right? That we're, we're going to topple this. They're not respecting the litany. Our elders aren't looking out for nothing. We got this, though. This is our chance. It's coming up. Right? The whole nine. And the problem with gut tooth is is that your stuff's kind of see-through. Right? They've heard it before. You're only going to infect the young because everyone else knows what's going on with this pact and the prince's laws. The third thing they got going on is that, hey, stupid. Look at the vampires like Derek. Right? Yeah. Derek's that guy who's sitting around. I mentioned this, man. Them gang girl who are sitting around looking for a reason. They're soldiers. They're soldiers, they're Siegfried soldiers, and they're standing around, obeying orders, waiting. If there's a, if you wonder, on the vampire side of things, you get out of line, the prince comes and gets you. Interesting enough, if your werewolves got a line, the prince is going to come and get you until you get out of the city. Yep. Think about that. Doesn't matter if you're Glasswalker or Bonar or not. If you can't escape the city before Siegfried can get to you, that's considered acceptable. We agreed that the prince has laws, and that he can enforce them, and that is wholly unique. Right? Now, ideally, you'd probably see something like um, some pack messes up, that pack goes to leave, and the Bonars try to smuggle them out. Not to escape the wrath, but to smuggle them out to point them at the tribe that will deal with them.
3: Yep.
2: Understand that. There's a red talon sitting at the gas station. You know, it's... And they've got jam technology (laughs) on your flat tire.
1: It's, it's better us than anyone else so the laws have to be obeyed because we agreed to them and since you threaten the covenant Siegfried's in his right to demand and that's that's what this is about that's also what makes this pretty cool and the fact that okay you may not like the fact there are a gangrel waiting with headsets and they have silver bullets you know adjust it to taste but you get what they're going with that there is one clan suited to go to war with the werewolves and it is the gangrel they have that skill set that knowledge that history and uh, they, they keep it alive here, I feel. Um, the final piece here, I, I, I shouldn't say final. That's all in Vancouver well and good. And I say up to this point, much love. I enjoy it. There is something you're going to find in this book, though, uh, where we, we need to talk about it. <laughs> right? Just, just a little bit. Right? Just a little bit. Uh... I enjoyed it when I originally read this that they had unique, different clans in this book. Like really unique, you never heard of them before, and that's the bushi.
3: Now, because Nick, love you to death, I know we share the
1: same love for the same culture. What did they try to put the bushi as here? Uh, They
2: tried to make the bushi as a as vampires, right? As a vampiric
3: clan. It's it's interesting, right? This here is a Japanese clan that's in Vancouver, as they have in the book.
1: I don't recommend getting rid of them. I'm gonna say this. I don't know how you would update your rules for them. I would keep them to some degree. Kindred of the East would help you a lot in guiding this, but not not to a terrible amount. Obviously, be a melding of the minds and more reading, but even if you just use it on its own, they give you enough of a rule set idea of how to role-play this group. There is a heavily influenced uh Asian culture that is in Vancouver and Canada proper. And that's they bring it in. They don't ignore it. They do it justice here in giving them places uh and uh their influences. As they have here, Bushi's just one of them. And in this, this group forms a, a group kind of around a guy named Yokoshi. Uh, Yokoshi, uh, well, he's, he's, he's like a samurai, all the Bushi are, right? That's the point. And that's exactly how they're played. In fact, their weakness is dishonor. And what I mean by that is is not showing any. They, they have to uphold face at all times. And Yokoshi is very much bound to that. And he needs to serve that ideal. Uh, which means he's another, he's another tool in the unique tool, in the um, box for Siegfried to use accordingly in maintaining his city. And this guy's very humane. That's one of the things I adore about the creation of him. And though he's no slouch, he's something that I've never seen poetic expression used in a warrior sheet before. And I give him stuff like archery, which is obviously dated material too. The ability to bait. He's like a renaissance badass. Is what they have in this book, but he's super polite, courageous, even I'd say, and uh, that's that's kind of who this guy is. He even has a uh, uh, sometimes a ghoul retainer follow him around. He's an old and frail looking Japanese man. <laughs> I understand that that might be hmm. tropish. I smile to see it, right? I love it. I think that would be awesome and unique uh, to to see in a game showcase with the appropriate respect given to the culture that you're trying to hit upon. That would be so different. Right, your Packerati sabat. You come in, and this uh, elderly gentleman invites you to sit down and have tea uh, with this uh, youthful uh, but respectful uh, gentleman who just gestures for you to sit down with him, and he truly wishes to know uh, your perception on the poetic expression of of war and what it's turned into in the modern times. To debate with you specific war strategies used throughout the ages, or what it means to follow your leader at this point, and do you really have a leader, or are you merely following some ideal? And just have him we're the Sabat. <laughs> we're here to kill stuff like what are you doing to us please if i have given offense this is not my goal enjoy your drink and we'll go now we're gonna we're just gonna leave <laughs> right i can see this scene where somebody's just like you're cool and all like we're just walking away you're giving us the heebie-jeebies we don't know what's going on we don't have an old man retainer for nothing and that dude man, yeah, we're good we're good
3: it's it's a fun character yep. however that discipline, Kai, that's going to be your struggle. <laughs> I mean, it, it's your. I can't defend it. Can, I'm we, sorry. Can, we, <laughs> can
1: we, can we, can we Cambro it a little bit, Mike? Can we just look at it a little bit? So the first one, basically, they don't frenzy. They could spend blood to avoid frenzy because they would lose, they would lose space. Hey,
2: nothing wrong with that.
1: Right? I, I like the idea that most Cambros
2: wouldn't take a discipline like that because. Why frenzies are so super awesome and
0: powerful. I mean, it depends. It depends on who you are, what kind of cane bro, but...
1: (laughs) right, level two. This is a cane bro special. You would run to get this power. I would threaten to join... I I would go to Vancouver just to learn it. Right? says Focus Strike. Those who are well-practiced in martial arts are known to be able to break wood and brick with their bare hands, feet, and heads. However, this is an extension of the ability. By using blood points, they can give themselves, I believe it's done by mild um, damage is increased by two dice per blood point expended. Max of 10 additional dice they can give themselves. That's to Hassan chop their way to that's victory. Be what? That means this, yes. this dude hits like a werewolf <laughs> easily. Hits like a werewolf? That's plus 10, Jack. Werewolves ain't doing that. That's before his strength. That's before his potence. Right? And, and it does this, it's it's a blow, it's just like what dead? you're dead, the wall's dead, the car behind you's dead i've and you know what, but I'm a precise martial artist. So I only meant to kill you. Everybody else gets a cool show, and you know whatever. I was like, that's some dragon Ball Z shit you fight that that's some
2: dragon ball bullshit right
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that is <laughs> uh and then you get mystical right, drinks some blood and and know some peace and harmony and Calm your derangements and willpower loss recoup a-, a turn of invulnerability from fire for every as a level for, four. for every blood point.
0: what? For every blood point, so damn your fortitude, I can spend a blood point for a
3: turn's worth of invulnerability to flame. I mean a blood point.
1: <laughs> All I gotta say is, is that okay, maybe you you need to tweak the Kai discipline. You don't want that in your game. I get that, I feel you. I agree with you. In fact, that you have to do something to update it. That's a little that's a broken by anyone standard. Uh but enough on that actually. I think I think it's a it's a good story uh to have Yokoshi in there to add flavor. Um because it's not a resonant asamite. I'm gonna be honest. It's not a resonance of mine. You don't have a child of Hakim. So whatever reason, the martial badass always falls to child of Hakim. I'm still waiting for my Torador elder or Torador who just likes. There is art to using a sword, folks. Right? Kadir Smear. Nobody cares about him. Okay. Kadir, whatever. Whatever. He's in a game. He's immortalized. He walks in. I have a Simtar. killed Bob twice in the text game. Yeah, yeah we're over Kadir. Okay. We're done. <laughs> we're done. I wouldn't survive Kadir. That's fine. Can we just admit that this is that
2: what this is, is uh, the uh, it's it's well, it's the clan of blade. He's a he's bushy, right? But he's not samurai, right? Samurai means to serve. This guy's not necessarily set to serve, but he does have an honorable code a warrior's path about him. Almost a way of being of a warrior. But he's also got some high ya stuck in him.
1: Well, when you read about the bushi and they give and why I say they're good is on in the index. They give this, you know, that they. They literally are a close-knit group of people that show loyalty to one another. Um, yep. They also have a system where someone is in charge. They do they do have a pecking order. right? They can have the same master that they serve. They give their word. That is that. And that's where that difference is. That they do have a purpose and a point, And they add that level in. And they can be anyone, but their honor dictates everything they do. And that's what makes them cool. I also think werewolves would groove to that. Right? You're bound by a sense of honor and you appear to be human. Remember... There's a mechanic for sensing to worm taint, and then your mania seven maintained, even six maintained. Mm-hmm. You don't, I believe it's five is the magic number where you yep. start registering to worm taint, and and that's yep. cool. Which means if you're on Kai and you're a bushi, you're never registering to them. To you, you're the last to be dealt with if they even deal with you. If they even notice, right? That makes that makes that cool to me. It's like ah, uh, all right, there's there's a way of being. And uh that's Unless for
2: some reason your honor is I only feed on babies, then we're talking
1: something else. Right, then you then you kind of miss the point, right? That's that's how that works. But at any rate, that is Dark Alliance Vancouver. Um hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did, and uh, I will tell you I, I feel I shouldn't have to ask, um, but uh what do you guys think of it? I kind of feel I already know. As a setting, this is great.
2: it's a uh, hands down, this is kind of what we've been looking for in books up to this point. We get a lot of a uh, lot of stuff from New York. We get a lot of stuff coming in from uh, from like uh, uh, even under a blood red moon. These uh, these awesome story elements that kind of come in, and they're meant to kind of push a story back and forth. Usually, there's a story in here, no no lie, but it's small. It's it's tiny. It's enough to get you hooked in. The vast majority of this book is a setting. It's players. It's places. It's all these things that you look for when you're look trying to build an extended campaign. And this has everything in it from both sides.
3: In other words, it's extremely useful though. There are parts that are a bit out of date. Uh, it, it,
2: if I was going to run a Vancouver game, this would be the first thing I would pick up and I wouldn't look at half the stuff in it as totally useless.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get um, a, a similar, not exactly the same, but a similar sensation um, from this book as I did from London. It's, it's got everything that I want to see. If I if I just need some some fire in my my Vancouver game, or if I know my players want to run a crossover, um, it's got interesting ways and places and people. And I'm trying to think. Other than maybe Kai, Kai sounds fun. I don't want to lie on myself. But other than maybe Kai, there isn't much of this that I would throw out. Strong recommendation. Matter of fact, question, Bob, you have any idea why there's no more Dark Alliances books? It's like Vancouver seems to be a one
1: off. Um, but when Dark Alliance comes out, I mean, here's the deal. When you're looking at this book and it's a crossover, like how many cities could possibly maintain that? It's so unique. How many yeah. are going to have that exact reason? Right. It's going to be hard to portray every city as a sleeping Methuselah that threatened peace or else. And even beyond that, they had to completely restructure the laws of.
2: Two different uh, you know, like societies in order to to make it tenuously
1: work here for I, a period of time. S- subjugate, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a replacement. I agree with that. Um, is it is it valid? Sure, you could do it. It gives you an idea of how to do it. In other words, this book is basically written to give you, it's called Dark Alliance Vancouver because it is a Dark Alliance. Not that it's a new series coming out, it's just it's part of the title, that first and foremost. Secondly, um, even if you wanted to do another Dark Alliance game. It You have the makeup of what you need to do. What's the reason? How's it done? And just stick to your guns. This is let yep. people know. This is why we're doing it. This is why they said it's going on. Let's have the game. That is okay to do. And that's the real reason I think this book is in print. These, one of the other points and the biggest one I'd say, there's little going on in Canada beyond Montreal by night. And they wanted to add credence that, um, no, it's a it's a huge place. It's the second largest continent uh, there is. Naturally, there's more going on than what you what you hear about. And accordingly, you have uh, Vancouver that's that's cam territory. It's supposed to be, but look what he's doing with it. But it's remote enough to where you can't exactly send in the troops to kick indoors and enforce it, because look what you have to go through. And it's all the guru. And this is the Wendigo tribe's home as well. So this almost, to me, it's a perfect read because I enjoy the fact that there's a logical progression of story, putting everything in place to make it interesting and fun for players to come from all over to join it. So you could have another Dark Alliance place, but you'd have to have that perfect storm. Yep. Right? You couldn't turn around and say, like, Bogota, Kansas is a new place. We're going to, like, Like who, what, how do you have the populace to support it? And why would it be, you know what I mean? You'd have to do another big city. Um. That's that's why, it's, that's what goes through my head. Could you do it in Europe? Hell no. There is no reason that should happen in Europe. Europe should be the hotbed of where elders meet to skullduggery, villainy, and worse for vampires on all sides of the fence. Then you share those old werewolf tribes, those old packs, to ancient ways, who absolutely will not bend like those freaking colonists over there and decide that their way is no longer valid. No, sir. Not my silver fangs, not my shadow lords, not my get. You will. They will hold to the line. More importantly, well, I can't wait till we get to a book like that. It's right. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and and they're coming. Uh, these said books. Um, so, so that's 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 it. That's it um to answer that question mike i think you could do another dark alliance book but you'd have to up the ante. it's got to get more grimy right because tell the story of vancouver first that leads to an update of what happens with the dark alliance good bad or indifferent and i think dark alliance vancouver part of that story that you can add after the fact and maybe someone storyteller votes this the death of petrodon He's coming from Seattle at the back of an Anarch war, thinking arrogantly, he's going to go up and tell Siegfried how it is and where it's going to be. With the Guru, he's not thinking with a full deck. Bring your Archons, bring yeah, yourself. Bring let's see what happens in the <laughs> dust-up. That'd be awesome to do. Yeah, yeah, sure. But all right, everybody, that's our, that's our take on We hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, to set this up, uh, what you're going to have is a series of, uh, of podcasts that are coming out where we have to tackle some very good and popular books uh, I believe the next two, it's uh, Rage Cross Amazon. Am I right, Nick? That's what it says. That's the next one we got up. That is a super awesome, cool book for Werewolf. If, you, if you're if you fans of it, you definitely are excited to hear this. Uh, that Well, not that we're going over it, but that, that book, we're bringing, bringing it back up. I've used that quite a bit to run a few games through. It's so much fun. So much going on. Um, different breeds of were, or different breeds of were, and or farah as they're called, are going to be mentioned in the book coming up, and they're important. Um, their place in it. Kind of how the werewolves mix in it. It's going to be fun. So much so, we're going to make it a two-parter. That's not the only one. After that, I believe it's Rage Across Russia. That's another two-parter. If you don't know why, yep. that includes Vampire again uh with the werewolves. And it's going to be... there. The parts in there are huge. I know. I curse uh, you with a chicken hut. Right. Baba Yaga, we're <laughs> talking, is going to be in that. So what you'll see that release is coming out in, uh, in, in two parts apiece is what we're going to do. Lot to record, lot to have fun with, so stay tuned. Um, thank you guys for listening. Happy holidays. Thanks, Mike and Nick.
0: Later. Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM, at our email info at 25yearsvtm.com, on Facebook at slash 25yearsvtm or on our website, www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade.